Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we are going to once again dive into the wonderful and wacky world of copyright infringement, streaming of media, video games, music, movies, everything in between, and internet drama on YouTube, Twitch, and elsewhere. On your screen right now, you see a thumbnail from a YouTuber named The Quartering that was linked to me by a number of folks in my DMs on Twitter, in my comments, to my videos, talking about an open question with respect to pending U.S. legislation that would make streaming infringement a felony rather than a misdemeanor. This is titled in this thumbnail, Streamers Could Face Jail Time. And one of the things I want to talk to you all about, and I don't mean to draw out the quartering here in particular, I think this has been discussed in a number of places. I saw a number of articles linked to me. I saw a number of YouTubers linked to me. This was by far the most often, and so that's why I'm using it here. But I want to talk to you a little bit about what this means, what it doesn't mean, why in some respects it makes a certain amount of logical sense in the perspective of a lawyer, and how in other respects it definitely doesn't make sense in how the proposed legislation has been Presented. So let's take a look at some of the articles here that talk about this. This is a Kotaku article. Proposed U.S. law could slap Twitch streamers with felonies for broadcasting copyrighted material. According to political offshoot protocol, the felony streaming proposal is the work of Republican Senator Tom Tillis, who has backed similar proposals previously. It is more or less exactly what it sounds like, a proposal to turn unauthorized commercial streaming of copyrighted material. Progressive policy publication, The American Prospect, specifically points to examples like an album on YouTube, a video clip on Twitch, or a song and an Instagram story into a felony offense with a possible prison sentence. Currently, such violations, no matter how severe, are considered misdemeanors rather than felonies because the law regards streaming as a public performance. Now, there's a lot to unpack there. But first and foremost, it's worth noting that regardless of what you see on thumbnails, regardless of how this Kotaku article frames it, and I think we're going to look at the protocol article as well, the into a felony offense with a possible prison sentence concept, the streamers could now potentially go to jail if this bill passes. That's already the case. Misdemeanors don't mean that jail time isn't associated with them. Under federal law, the difference between a misdemeanor and a felony is the length of time that you can be imprisoned. In this case, you can be imprisoned for up to a year as a misdemeanor, and then things that are greater than a year are felonies. Now, that doesn't mean that it's not an important distinction to make. Certainly, when you're talking about things like employment applications, people can ask you about felony offenses and felony convictions when maybe they wouldn't ask about misdemeanors, and that can be important to people. So this is an important conversation, but first and foremost, if you just leave the video right now and take nothing else away from it, know this. Streamers can already face possible jail time, and we're going to look at the laws that make that so as part of this video. But they're trying to make streaming into a felony offense because right now, as Kotaku points out, it isn't. How do we get there? This is the protocol article. It says basically the same thing that the Kotaku article says. It says the final provision, Republican Senator Tom Tillis's felony streaming proposal has not yet been introduced as legislation. This is from a few days ago. This is one of the reasons you didn't see me cover this until right now on this channel is I wanted to see what the actual proposal was. Uh, and it's a little bit dumber than I would have anticipated. But the proposal would provide the Department of Justice with the authority to charge commercial enterprises that are streaming certain kinds of works with felony copyright infringement, a primary concern for professional sports organizations and the powerful motion picture association. Now, 
when we're talking about copyright, it's important to get our feet under us in the right way. We've talked about things like the DMCA in this space. This is what I've highlighted right here, 17 USC 512, the DMCA, our lovable friend. And the DMCA doesn't establish its own versions of liability. A lot of people get that wrong. Oh, they have to follow the DMCA. They don't have to follow the DMCA. There's liability. The liability uh, for copyright infringement doesn't relate to this provision, 512, the DMCA at all. All we know as streamers that we regularly interact with the DMCA on is that civil folks, private companies, the RIAA, Disney, people that own sports rights can issue a takedown notice under the DMCA. And if YouTube or Twitch or Facebook gaming or whomever get that takedown notice, this law provides a safe harbor for them taking it down immediately and not being held liable for contributing to whatever infringement might have arisen related to that stream video or elsewise. This isn't its own portion of liability. So when you see things like in this thumbnail about the DMCA, that, oh, DMCA takedown notices could now lead to criminal felonies. It's an attenuated relationship. There are differences between civil infringement and criminal infringement. Companies, no matter how big, at least right now, Disney and RIAA cannot send you to jail. What they can do is they can say, you're infringing on our stuff and we can sue you. We can go get damages. We can get an injunction. And we can potentially go and tell the FBI or the Department of Justice. And right now, if you're only streaming, that means we can only get the Department of Justice or the FBI to potentially come after you for a misdemeanor. But Disney or the Recording Association or anybody else can't actually use the criminal code themselves directly. That's an important part of this conversation. When we're talking about copyright, we are in general talking about this bundle of rights that we have talked about a lot in virtual legality, these exclusive rights in copyrighted works. The owner of a copyright under this title has the exclusive rights to, for purposes of this conversation, to reproduce it, to distribute it, and to perform it publicly. And the differences between reproduction and distribution and performance publicly is how we get into this scenario where some people who are not just idiots, don't put everybody in a bucket that says everything that is about this law is wrong. These folks don't necessarily have the same motivations as you do, but this isn't an idiotic statement to make that says, hey, maybe reproduction and distribution shouldn't be penalized in a different way from public performance. And why do we get into this conversation of loopholes and things like that? Well, because the criminal offenses section under the Copyright Act, which is distinct from the civil offenses, the descriptions of damages and injunctions and the like, says any person who willfully infringes, that's an important term, willfully, you have to be doing it specifically with the intent to infringe, a copyright shall be punished as provided under the criminal code, and we'll look at that in a second, if the infringement was committed for three different reasons. One, for purposes of commercial advantage or private financial gain, full stop. If you did it for commercial advantage, you wind up in the criminal code, and we will look at it on that basis. By reproduction or distribution, including by electronic means, during any half year of one or more copies or phono records of one or more copyrighted works, which have a total retail value of more than $1,000. That gets you into section B. Or by the distribution of a work being prepared for commercial distribution by making it available on a computer network accessible to members of the public. So outside of A, if you are just publicly performing a work, you don't wind up in the criminal code. So we are only looking at what we would call 506A1A. 
So now we go over to Title 18, Section 2319, and we see exactly how that is treated. Any person who commits an offense under Section 506A1A, that's what we are concerned with, shall be imprisoned not more than five years if the offense consists of reproduction or distribution. That's a felony, more than one year. Shall be imprisoned not more than 10 years if the offense is a felony and is a second or subsequent offense under subsection A. And three, shall be imprisoned not more than one year or fined in the amount set forth in this title or both in any other case. So you take this holistically and you see if you are looking at something, if you're doing something that's infringing on a streaming basis for commercial advantage, unless they can show that you are reproducing or distributing the work, you wind up in this bucket. Shall be imprisoned not more than one year or fine in the amount set forth in this title or both in any other case. I didn't reproduce it, judge. I didn't distribute it, judge. I just performed it publicly, judge. So it is only a one-year possible maximum prison sentence. That means it's a misdemeanor under federal law. But importantly, for the conversations that are happening online, I think you'll note, you can be imprisoned right this second under the law if you are streaming infringing copyrighted material on Twitch or anywhere else If the Department of Justice, if the FBI decided that they wanted to make examples of your tiny little Twitch channel or YouTube channel or what have you, then they could. Streamers could face jail time would not be a new proposition. The right thumbnail, the right discussion is streamers could face more jail time. Doesn't make as dramatic a statement, but it's important to make those distinctions so that people understand what's actually at play here. Now, as you can see, a number of folks think this is a loophole, including Senator Tom Tillis. So his subcommittee on intellectual property of the Senate Judiciary Committee asked the Copyright Office to talk about these things. And the Copyright Office responded as follows. Unfortunately, the rise of streaming as a primary model for content distribution has coincided with a similar increase in streaming piracy. Indeed, a recent industry report noted that while video streaming of movies and television content is on the rise, with over 500 licensed portals worldwide, digital video piracy causes between 29.2 billion and 71 billion in lost revenue. It's a pretty big gap, but it's a government report. Mostly through unauthorized streaming. As we discussed in our attached responses, illegal streaming, while it may also implicate the rights of distribution and reproduction under the Copyright Act, primarily is an offense against the right of public performance. While criminal infringement of either the distribution or the reproduction rights can be prosecuted as a felony under current law, just as we discussed, criminal infringement of the right to public performance, even when done willfully and for a commercial advantage, is limited to a misdemeanor because you wind up in that third bucket, that non-reproduction, non-distribution bucket. Under this system, criminal streaming piracy, no matter the dollar amount it involves or the number of works affected, is de facto treated as a lesser crime than the illegal downloading or reproduction of the exact same content. Now, we're going to look at the rest of their response a little bit more fulsomely, but here is where I say something where if you're following virtual legality and if you're here to hear Rick Hogue say, all of this is wrong, you're going to be a little bit disappointed. From a legal perspective, I look at this and say, Yeah, the Copyright Act was written a while ago. The Copyright Act was written in a world that really wasn't contemplated streaming of video games and movies and music at this level as something that could damage people that much, that public performance was limited to the people around you, and that when you use the internet to actually publicly perform, as the Supreme Court has held happens when you stream something, it can affect a lot higher damages than the existing Copyright Act contemplate. So I look at that and say, I tend to agree with the copyright office here 
that there isn't a great reason philosophically, morally, ethically, or legally to have a distinction between reproduction and distribution or streaming such that streaming itself is not treated as an offense when you can affect these billions of dollars of damages. And let's take the lowball option here. Whenever there are reports like this, this high number tends to be a little bit overstated in my experience and estimation. So I look at it and say, philosophically, there's a lot of reasons to believe that this is the kind of thing that a Copyright Act reform should address. Now, on the other hand, as you know, if you've been in virtual legality for a while, you know I would also say, well, if we're going to address this loophole to help copyright holders, we should address a hundred other loopholes about the fact that the Copyright Act really doesn't talk about the digital media landscape at all. And that people that are content creators and are using fair use, they need better and more available contours around what they can do. Section 512, the DMCA itself, has to actually penalize people for abusing DMCA takedown notices and not have it be this enormously high knowing and material standard. You need to have all these reforms at once and not just continue to ratchet it up in favor of the rights holders. But hey, I'm not in charge. I'm not dictator of the world. So we are left evaluating what we're left evaluating. The first question that was asked to the Copyright Office was, does unauthorized streaming violate the copyrights holders right to public performance? If so, and why? One thing that you might know from virtual legality is that I've often said that video game streaming in and of itself is problematic because the end user license agreement doesn't specifically provide for broadcast slash public performance rights. One of the reason I continue to say that is because this is the Copyright Office's opinion. This is the Supreme Court's opinion. And if you are in the business of streaming video games, you should be very interested in trying to make sure that your end user license agreement gives you the right to stream those things, especially if infringement winds up becoming a felony offense, because then you're talking about leverage at minimum in the rights holder if you say something they don't like. To say, hey, yeah, you were streaming this and we were fine with it. You said something we didn't like. And now, hey, it would be a shame if we had to refer this action to the FBI. As the Copyright Office says, yes, unauthorized streaming implicates the right of public performance. Streaming is the delivery of digital media content to members of the public in real time so that it may be watched listened to, or played contemporaneously with the transfer of the media to a recipient's device. This is one of the reasons you saw in the cover letter here that the Copyright Office says that depending on how the technology is working, a lot of what we consider to be streaming, just kind of online access to things, might well be reproduction and distribution. If there's an archival copy, if there's a download function, those kinds of things, clips maybe, even on Twitch, then you're probably starting to talk about distribution and reproduction and probably the criminal code already applies to those instances. But if somebody is streaming the Packers Cowboys game just directly on Twitch, that's the only time it will ever be there. You can't necessarily go and get them for reproduction and distribution, even if 100,000 people are watching that game in violation of all the various licenses that relate there too. So they say, well, that is streaming, that is public performance. And indeed, as they continue, the Supreme Court reviewed the question of the proper contours of the public performance right in the 2014 Aereo case and concluded that reading the statutory provisions in light of the purposes articulated by Congress, the public performance right encompasses streaming. And we've talked about the Aereo case primarily in the videos that we did in this channel regarding GeForce Now. So please do check those out if you are interested in that conversation. But suffice it to say, regardless of whether or not you agree or disagree, the current legal landscape is that the Supreme Court, the Copyright Office, the Intellectual Property Subcommittee generally believe that streaming 
is a use of public performance of another's copyrighted material. And so if you don't have a license to it and or if you don't fall under fair use, you are potentially infringing those rights. And the copyright holder, whether that's a video game publisher, a movie studio, a music house, whatever it might be, could potentially claim that you are infringing. And if it got big enough, or if they just had the ear of somebody at the Department of Justice or the FBI, they could tell the government to prosecute you on a criminal basis. Does unauthorized streaming violate the copyright holder's right to control reproduction and distribution? If not, why not? Although the streaming of copyrighted content most obviously implicates the public performance right, depending upon the technology at issue, there may be instances in which the right of reproduction and or distribution also will be implicated. Which copyright rights are implicated in a particular case will depend on the applicable factual situation. It is partially for this reason that it is important that penalties for violation of the public performance right mirror those for violation of the reproduction and distribution rights. In a criminal infringement situation, prosecution should not be hindered by some infringements qualifying as felonies and others not, based solely on the illicit delivery method chosen for the creative content. And here is where, again, I tend to agree philosophically. If you've got damages and you're a copyright holder, it shouldn't necessarily matter whether it was made available for download or streamed contemporaneously to everybody if you were experiencing those damages writ large. This is one of those areas where the internet really did change things and the Copyright Act hasn't reflected it as of yet. Do you believe that increasing the criminal penalty for the unauthorized streaming of copyrighted material from a misdemeanor to a felony would better deter illicit streaming? If yes, what specific statutory changes would you recommend? The Copyright Office has previously supported statutory amendments that would provide the same felony level penalties for criminal streaming as for criminal reproduction and distribution. Here is where I tend to agree, again, with the Copyright Office, but note what they are saying. We want these things to be treated similarly. We want them to be treated the same because the loophole, quote unquote, doesn't make a ton of sense in the world of the internet and streaming of sporting events and movies and whatnot. And that's about as far as my match with what is happening today goes. So I've got reasonable question mark on the thumbnail here. Philosophically, I think reasonable minds can conclude that, yeah, probably streaming shouldn't necessarily be treated differently than willful infringement on a distribution or reproduction basis. Maybe they should be treated the same. But does Senator Tom Tillis actually do that? Well, it took until yesterday, and thank you for a number of people linking this actually to me, again, in my social media, to find out what they were proposing to add to the omnibus government spending bill. And we could talk politically about how much I dislike omnibus bills and putting all these various substantive things in with bills that need to be passed for budget purposes, but we'll ignore that situation for right now. This is a report from the Tillis office that says, Tillis releases text of bipartisan legislation to fight illegal streaming by criminal organizations. So we can go and we can look at the text of this act, a bill to amend Title 18 United States Code, that's the criminal code, to prohibit illicit digital transmission services. This act may be cited as the Protecting Lawful Streaming Act of 2020, and it adds a new section, illicit digital transmission services. We're going to skip most of these definitions, but one of the most important ones is that the term work being prepared for commercial public performance is a computer program if at the time of unauthorized public performance has a reasonable expectation expectation of commercial public performance and the copies of phono records of the work have not been commercially publicly performed or a motion picture if at the time it has been made available for public viewing 
has not been made available in copies for sale to the general public or had not been commercially publicly performed in the United States by or with the authorization of the copyright owner more than 24 hours before the unauthorized public performance. And that definition is going to matter because one of the things that they are going to protect against is use of things that are being prepared for commercial public performance by the video game publisher or by the movie studio. And they don't want you to jump in front of those companies. Now, the prohibition is pretty simple. It shall be unlawful to willfully and for purposes of commercial advantage or private financial gain, which gets you back into that bucket where we remember being in 506, right? Which is talking about commercial advantage or private financial gain. So we're, we're copying some of the language from 506 just over again for no particular reason. It shall be unlawful for those purposes to offer or provide to the public a digital transmission service that was defined as what we think it is, that is primarily designed or provided for the purpose of publicly performing works, has no commercially significant purpose or use other than to publicly perform works, or is intent and or is intentionally marketed by or at the direction of that person to promote its use in publicly performing works. So this is an or. This means that any one of these paragraphs will count for this purpose. It's prohibited to either primarily design your channel or website, depending on how these definitions would work in practice, for this express purpose of performing, publicly performing those works that are otherwise protected by copyright held by someone else, has no commercially significant purpose other than to do this, or is marketed specifically to do this. So the first thing to note is that this is a subset of what we consider everybody streaming video games on Twitch or on YouTube or on Facebook gaming or, or anywhere else. They are trying to frame this specifically as a question related to what you are doing with your channel, what you are doing with the Twitch service. Are you marketing it saying, I'm going to put up the Lord of the Rings in its entirety. Come watch and listen to my commercials. Do I have any other commercially significant purpose other than to do these things? And or was the service, was my channel designed only for purposes of infringing copyright? Most people on the baseline level are going to have a defense to this. You're probably not marketing it solely just to put up the Lord of the Rings. You're probably not doing only showings of copyrighted material. And we get into questions, we get into gray area with video games and maybe even music recordings on those games. But for the most part, this is trying to tailor the aim of a provision like this at not just hitting everybody that streams things online. The second part of this that is maybe a little bit stupider is the penalties provision. Any person who violates subsection B shall, in addition to any penalties provided for under Title 17 or any other law, be fined under this title, imprisoned not more than three years or both, shall be fined under this title, imprisoned not more than five years or both, if the offense was committed in connection with one or more works being prepared for commercial public performance, and or shall be fined under this title, imprisoned not more than 10 years or both, if the offense is a second or subsequent offense. Now, for those of you that are making particular note of what these penalty provisions do, you will note that they do not match up with what the penalties are for reproduction or distribution. If we go back, we see that reproduction or distribution carries this five years offense, 10 years offense, and then misdemeanors for things that aren't reproduction or distribution. Whereas the proposed bill is three years, not five years, five years if you have this other definition that you meet, 10 years for the combination, which probably matches up to the second paragraph, but ultimately defeats the purpose of what I agreed with in respect of the copyright office letter. 
Remember, what they said was important was that they provide the same felony level penalties for criminal streaming as for criminal reproduction and distribution. And this simply doesn't do that. This has a three year and then a five year and then a different five year and then a 10 year, and it doesn't match up. This is one of those areas where you can really call the legislature and this particular legislator to task because the easiest, simplest thing to do in this framework is to take this provision and say, oh, well, when it says if the offense consists of the reproduction or distribution, you simply say if the offense consists of the reproduction or distribution or public performance by means of electronic transmission and you've got it all covered and you do the same thing anywhere else and you're done. You have accomplished what you need to do to match these things up, but you don't get your name on a fancy blog post. You don't get your name on a fancy bill. You don't get to tell your constituents that you passed this fancy bill, even if what you really need to do, what really makes sense philosophically and conceptually is to make a single phrase change in the existing law. So when I say, is this reasonable? Is it stupid? Is it both? That's one of the complaints I would have here is you're trying to skin this onion in a very unusual way. You're trying to make it a three-year baseline instead of a five-year baseline. Then you're trying to have five years kick in when you have this enormously difficult definition for works being prepared for commercial public performance to unwrap. And at the end of the day, you don't wind up in a situation where you avoid what the Copyright Office was concerned about. In a criminal infringement, prosecution should not be hindered by some infringements qualifying as felonies and others not. Okay, they all qualify as felonies, but they have completely different terms. They have completely different concepts. You're still going to have to unpeel what it is that you are going to figure out with respect to any given piece of content online. And why did you do that? Could have been done simply. You just needed to have your name on a bill. So, at the end of the day, what do people need to be concerned about here? What do streamers need to be concerned about, right? We've got a lot of people shouting about this. We've got big thumbnails. Oh my God, there's a person with a fake jail thing put up on this thumbnail. There's Kotaku complaining just generally about the function of government, just like they did in their PlayStation 5 review. You know, it's Kotaku, it's all good. But at the end of the day, there's a couple of things that are once again important to reiterate, right? The DMCA, civil copyright, is not criminal copyright. You get a DMCA takedown notice, the FBI is not going to come blowing in your door. The FBI could, the Department of Justice could, but it's important to note they could right now and they aren't right now. For the most part, the government is concerned with the big operations. And I don't want to make any promises. This video is not legal advice. You never know what's going to happen and the Department of Justice and the FBI can do basically whatever they want on this score. But in general, they're concerned with the big operations. I pulled up a Justia blog post that just talks about this in general. How does the federal government decide to criminally prosecute copyright infringement? If you have received a cease and desist letter noting criminal penalties for willful infringement, you may be wondering how the federal government decides whether to criminally prosecute someone for criminal copyright infringement. The federal government makes these decisions carefully. The stated policy is that all meritorious cases that fall into the parameters of the statute should be seriously considered for prosecution. The two biggest factors that federal prosecutors consider are the seriousness of the offense and the likelihood of a successful prosecution. The seriousness of an offense depends in part on the number of copies and the worth of them. Now that would be changed in respect of a streaming concept. It would be effectively the damages that were incurred by some economists saying, hey, we would have gotten all these viewers through another license and we would have gotten more for advertisement, whatever that might look like. It would be the damage number versus the number of copies and their worth. 
Federal prosecutors are also encouraged to give special attention to infringers who are successfully sued civilly and yet continue to infringe. Successfully sued, by the way, is a standard that's significantly different than filed a copyright content ID claim on YouTube. The success of a prosecution depends on whether there are evidentiary or legal issues and how likely it is a prosecutor will be able to explain them away or successfully advocate in spite of them. But at the end of the day, regardless of whether the Tillis bill goes through, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of whether somebody goes to him and says, hey, actually, you could just make a small change here, you're still talking about willful infringement. You're still talking about people that did this deliberately, and they did it deliberately for commercial advantage. And these are things that the government will have to prove. That is sore comfort if you find yourself in a courtroom with a federal prosecutor on the other side of things, but that federal prosecutor could bring you into court right now. The fact that they don't do so is emblematic of the way the government chooses to operate on these scores right now. That doesn't mean, however, that this isn't an important conversation, and it doesn't mean that streamers shouldn't be concerned about this, talking about it, considering what it means to them, because at the end of the day, as I said at the top of this video, one thing that could possibly happen is if a bill like this goes through, you get that takedown notice or you say something bad about Electronic Arts or Activision or whomever that has one of these licenses that doesn't really give you the right to stream, even though they've encouraged you to do it. And then you get that letter that says you shouldn't say X, Y, or Z. And it would be a shame if we had to issue not just strikes against your channel, but also report it to the FBI or Department of Justice. Because as we like to say in virtual legality, every legal threat is one that you have to take seriously because mostly we can't afford to fight those things against well-resourced opponents. And there is no opponent better resourced than the U.S. federal government. So this is a worthwhile conversation. This is something to be interested in, to be concerned with. And though philosophically, I have a tendency to agree, even though I like streaming, even though I like the video game streaming environment, I have a tendency to agree that the Copyright Act probably isn't structured properly for what we see as the modern use case of the internet. Doesn't mean that should be the only change to the Copyright Act. And obviously you can tell, I disagree with it being the only change as of today and as of tomorrow. But philosophically, I tend to agree that streaming probably should be treated the same as reproduction and distribution for this purpose. It's just that the Tillis bill doesn't do it well. The Tillis bill is tied apparently to an omnibus spending bill that is probably going to get passed regardless and that the legislature just throws substance on top of in order to get passed when a reasonable debate and discussion wouldn't get that same thing passed. And so I disagree with the policy. I disagree with the procedure and I disagree with how it's being treated right now, but it's not nearly as dramatic as all this. If you're willfully infringing right now, the Department of Justice and the FBI could knock in your door just as soon as today and they could do it tomorrow regardless of whether this bill passes or not. I hope you found this video educational or informational or entertaining or whatever it is that you're looking for from virtual legality. If you like this, please like, subscribe, share, ring bells, tell folks that we are having this conversation in this space. Pretty important stuff, I think. Business and law of video games, music, movies, television, pop culture, all implicated in today's video. If you saw this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.